Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Try You're to pick here ball, try in to the pick night up. with Jaime Lopez Jr. Yes. How's it going? We're going to spin some great tunes for That's you. That's right. DJ taking you through the night. Yes. You just sit back, relax, open up a beer, and enjoy the More Than Joe Sco podcast. Way more than just go tonight. So hey everybody, welcome to episode 109 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I'm currently in West Tennessee and I'm joined once again by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello there. And we also have Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? <laughs> How's it going? You guys, how's, you guys like that one, huh? I did, I did like that one. That was, was bedroomized. <laughs> wow. Try, try You're to here in the night up. with Jaime Lopez Jr. Yes. How's it going? We're going to spin some great tunes for That's you. That's right. DJ taking you through the night. Yes. You just sit back, relax, open up a beer, and enjoy the More Than Joe Code podcast. Way more than just code tonight. Okay, so let's, uh, let's talk. Okay, let's, let's talk. Let's, uh, let's, I'm going to uh, preempt the other topics that I had with the one that I, I think took up quite a bit of mind sharing this past week. Dropbox. Do you guys oh. use Dropbox? Um, yeah, I do mm-hmm. not as much as I used to, and I, and I did see some of your tweets, and I'm curious. So, give her. Um, give her. So, just to back up on what happened in the past week, it came out that Dropbox, the Mac application, has been taking liberties with the way that your Mac's accessibility system works. Um, it was first assumed that Dropbox was, uh, during installation, using a fake permissions dialog box to take your system password and store it somewhere. And the evidence that was initially gathered to support that contention was the fact that if you go to your system preferences, um, accessibility settings, I'm going to go there myself right now. So am I. Yeah. We're all going to go there together. Um, and you go to security and privacy Yes. And then in security and privacy, there's an accessibility tab. On the right, 
are a list of apps that have permission to directly interact with your computer. And it is for accessibility purposes. Okay. So the, the only way apps are supposed to make it into this dialogue is when they directly ask you permission. I, uh, and, and you've probably seen this before with some apps and I'm trying to think of one that does this. Um, well, keyboard uh, screen my hero, Can, screen keep, hero. Yeah. Well, keyboard okay. my show as well. Yeah. Okay. And the, what they'll do is when you're installing the app, it'll put up a dialogue that says, listen, we need to, uh, let you activate me in the accessibility dialogue in the accessibility settings, because we want to be able to control your computer in such and such a way. And you actually have to go into this security panel in your system preferences and in order to yep. and authenticate and then add it and then set it so it's on, right? So it is extremely interventionist on your part as a user. Um, you know, like apps cannot do this for you um, because it is such a critical feature that if an app has this access, it can literally do anything it wants with your system. So just to uh, sort of frame the danger that it's at stake here, okay? So here's what Dropbox has done, and I'll tell you what they've actually done. Um, they, they don't actually take your, your password. Uh, it is legitimate that they are using a system dialogue to get your password and getting heightened permissions for a period of time. What they do with those heightened permissions is install something in the library level of your, of your hard drive, which is a secure zone, right? If you go down to the root of your hard drive and go to slash library, that stuff is outside of your user directory and therefore is under the domain of root or sudo if you're ever going to interact with this stuff on the command line. And it installs a collection of scripts at that level, which means that, and, and also uh, puts itself in a position to run at any time. And what it does is it has found a way to hack the database that supports the accessibility dialogue in your security settings so that it can add the Dropbox app to that um, accessibility dialogue. Why is it doing that? Dropbox does not provide a reason. And in the days that followed the discovery of this backdoor, if you will, they, they have responded, but sort of implied that they're doing it because they may want it in the future. And we don't really know why. So, so, I, know, so I know you got out of Dropbox, but like, suppose I go in and just disable that. What will that do to Dropbox? Right. Okay. So nothing. First off, the first thing that will happen is nothing. You, you can remove it from your accessibility settings, and Dropbox will continue to function normally. But before long, you will find that Dropbox has put itself back in that accessibility dialog. Oh, even without, with the, with the, even if I remove it? Even if you remove it, because that's what one of those scripts does, is ah. it monitors that, the database that's backing this thing and seeing if it's there. If it's not there, put you back in. So and, you, and this would be something that if it was an App Store app, Apple would not allow, right? Good Lord, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. So there's a lot of outcry about this because it is a very serious compromise of system security. It circumvents Apple's very carefully placed uh, safeguards against apps that can control stuff outside of the user space, right? So it's kind of a big deal. Um, we may trust Dropbox as a company, but any vulnerability inside the Dropbox app itself 
that could be um, taken advantage of by hackers also puts your entire system at risk because they can use a vulnerability inside the Dropbox app as a vector to control your entire Mac. And so you may trust Dropbox, but the fact of the matter is anybody who is able to break Dropbox then can have this control over your computer. And let's face it, we're talking about millions of Macs because so many people have this thing installed. So huge risk factor. And Dropbox did not consequently say we're going to get rid of this thing. Um, they, they just threw their hands up, essentially, and said, this is how it is. Um, so Dropbox is out of my life. I, I got rid of it, and I've moved to iCloud Document Store. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I'm okay with that. I was also experimenting with Microsoft's OneDrive, which is a, a Dropbox alike, essentially, with uh, a much better deal for much more data. <laughs> but um, I, I just, uh, this whole exercise sort of brought home to me, like, what am I doing here? I'm trusting, like, you know, got this, like, crazy process running on my computer that's watching a folder and syncing everything that happens inside of it to some cloud service. And, you know, it's just another thing I don't need, right? When Meanwhile, I'm spending $15 a month to get a terabyte of storage for Apple with uh, iCloud. So why not use that? And it's a process that's already running on my computer. And I know that Apple's privacy stance aligns with my own. So let's try that. And that's what I've been doing for about the past week. That's an interesting point, yeah. Because, I mean, I had to up to... I was using the free version of Dropbox forever. Yeah. Um, but I had recently had a project where um, I had to store more than I had in my Dropbox, and that was a requirement of the job. So I had to ante up and... and buy a terabyte or whatever it is that the basic setting has right yeah um but yeah that sucks man they're, they're, they're evil people i mean e even though they're doing no evil per se but the fact that that they'd laid this thing open and as you said it's not just not dropbox we have to worry about exactly but it, you know anybody that compromises dropbox at some point in the future right exactly yeah that's the big concern that's the that's the part that should have people concerned so um, you know, I, frankly, if, if I have to give advice to people, um, as painful as it sounds, you know, I think you really have to look askance at Dropbox. If you're not currently a user, I do not recommend you become one. Uh, and if you are a user today, then, um, you owe it to yourself to consider other options at the very least. Hmm. How about you, Jaime? Are you, um, Dropbox user? I mean, we are all Dropbox users because we, we share our episodes of this podcast together on that thing. Um, right. I'm not a very large user, so it won't be very difficult for me to switch to something else. Um, you know, making the sausage for the show, uh, notwithstanding, um, and coordinating on that. Uh, I don't know. I'll consider some other options. I mean, I'm definitely keen on having multi-platform support. So uh, Google Drive and Microsoft's OneDrive come to mind uh, as potential alternatives there. There are a few others that are, are not immediately jumping to my mind uh, this evening, but uh, yeah, I'll consider. And I'm, I'm not even sure that it's like, I, I don't really get the sense that it's a nefarious thing from Dropbox. I think it's just kind of a misguided and, and as you guys mentioned, like a dangerous thing if, if uh, something should compromise uh, what's been done here. That's my sense of it as well. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they're bad. I just think that they um, are trying to take too much power. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. Just what you were saying there, Jaime, about uh, cross-platform capability being important. You know, there is iCloud.com, right? So, like, any computer that you're on, um, you should be able to access your files. 
that are in cloud drive right right so in in some limited capacity for sure um but the the seamless native integration uh at least as a nice option is is something i'll consider as one of the factors not not saying it'll be a, a like overwhelming factor but it's just one of those things that uh, i'll have to think about and that's fair that's absolutely fair i mean like and data storage is an intensely personal thing right um so you know how you how you use it and how you it fits into your workflow is super important and this security thing that i'm talking about tonight is also super important <laughs> um but it may you know be lower on the scales than um than other considerations like you know like i get dropbox i know how it works and i'm comfortable with it so shut up you aaron vey i don't have time for you in your quote opinions <laughs> unquote um while i'm talking like this i'm confirming that uh, icloud.com does have your icloud drive and all your files are there um and so like i moved all my like about i don't not even a lot of documents when you get down to it it's about uh three or four gigs of data um which are now i sitting in my iCloud store which were previously dropbox and then OneDrive. so, <laughs> so my, my biggest problem with, with the whole dropbox thing is um you know, I have hundreds of project folders in there that are shared with other clients and stuff like that. Uh, but, but I have one that's particularly large, and um, I, I actually had to go in and do that selective sync thing and turn off that stuff because I don't have the room from on my hard drive. I don't have a terabyte of free space on my hard drive, right? True. Um, I don't even have so whatever I have in in Dropbox, it might be. I mean, I, I use a, a, my backups. I have a terabyte, you know, USB drive that I store that stuff on. Uh, so I have it at my avail if I need it, but um, like I generally run with like you know anywhere between sixty and zero space on my hard drive, so um, I have more than that on Dropbox right now. So I mean, if I move that to iCloud, does that mean that I have to have that amount of free space on my um, my no, Mac as well? No, you right? do not. Yeah, you don't. Uh, so iCloud Drive lives in the cloud and. Um, will by default in Sierra, right? So the next, next OS version, which comes out next week, um, will store just thumbnails or p placeholders, if you will, on your desktop, on your computer. Yeah. So to and me, to me, the challenge of, of again, like a, my disk space issue, we can talk about that as a, as a, a segue, but, um, if that's the case then yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to move to the iCloud Drive because that's exactly what my problem is. I have a problem with, with Google Drive and uh, and Dropbox in that, yeah, sure, I can have all the space in the cloud, but I have to have a copy of the same files locally for the sync to work, right? Yeah, yeah, you don't have to have that now. Like, what if we, we have to take for granted that iCloud, um, as envisioned by Apple and as it would work in Sierra, uh, works as advertised, right mm -hmm. uh, but assuming that it does and i think every indication is that apple's really got their act together uh when when it comes to icloud um really with, yeah really like everything i've heard about uh the the iwork collaborative documents feature which again like like photos for example um icloud photo library um all the stuff that's based on the cloud kit like ever since apple came out with cloud kit Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I was thinking like, about they, iCloud core data kind of. Yeah, we've nonsense, really got to put right? that out of our minds. You know, like yes, Apple <laughs> Apple screwed but the pooch hurts, on that years man. ago. I know yeah. it hurt past tense. It doesn't exist anymore. They've kicked that to the curb. It's history. And then Apple shook its head and said, "We've really got to rethink web services." And then two years ago, or is it three now? They came out with CloudKit, which is a complete reinvention of how they think about uh, cloud-based web services. Right, which they've iterated on, and now they're building their own primary apps on top of. 
So we've seen the first one was was photos with iCloud Photo Library, which has been phenomenal, right? A phenomenal success. And then we've seen um, collaborative features in Notes, which came, uh, which is coming with iOS 10, and now in macOS Sierra we have uh, iWork with its collaborative features, which I think is based on all the same stuff and based on CloudKit because it's all through Apple ID, right? It's all behind Apple ID and uh, the CloudKit frameworks uh, are built to support that stuff. Mm. So um, I actually have a lot of confidence that Apple's got it right with um, with CloudKit these days. Um, so that's why I'm willing to trust them with my documents. And I know, I know, guys, I know that there have been a lot of problems with uh, with iCloud in the past. But we got to remember, iCloud is an umbrella marketing term. It is not a single technology. Right. But I think given Tim's reaction to it and... I think it's a much more uh, nuanced reaction than like maybe even the average person would have kind of, I think points out the fact that they really have a branding problem with it. And if it was me, I'd be like, uh, we're renaming this thing, Apple cloud, that iCloud thing sucks. This (laughs) Apple cloud is way better folks. I mean, otherwise it's kind of like Ford coming out with a 2017 Pinto, right? It's like, Oh really? Isn't that the the car that explodes? Right, you just, just just dump it by the wayside, and everything's going away from I something and becoming Apple something. So, there you go, free uh, free yep, I, free advice to the multi billion dollar company. I like that. I like that. I I, I subscribe to that, but uh, I don't think they're going to do it. <laughs> they would have done it already mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they've got the solution now. You know, they're just they're just going to roll on with it. It's iCloud. So that's good stuff, and I'm. You know, I'm pretty happy with it, and so far, so good. Uh, the only thing I kind of miss is the collaborative stuff, and I think, Tim, you were touching on this a little bit, too, that um, with Dropbox, you have a public folder, and you can drop any file in there and instantly share it with someone. Yeah, that's a, that's an issue for me. Is, is And that's, again, yeah. like I said, a large project. I have to store it, right? And I have yeah. to be able to share it. Exactly. And so I need I need something else to fill that particular gap, which is a need I have from time to time, because I, I, cannot, I cannot have a public link that anybody can download from iCloud Drive, as far as I know. <laughs> I can share. Yeah, if I try sharing it, then it just sends the document itself, or whatever it is. And that's not what I want. I want to link to it because it's too damn big to send. So I'm going to try to find something else for that. Maybe it'll be a pick on next week's show. Do you have anything else you want to say about this? No, I think that's, uh, that's, that's quite good. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I have something to say. Whoa! Whoa, holy smokes. <laughs> oh my god, I think I just crapped myself. <laughs> don't don't crap yourself. That's that's not good. Here goes with the diapers again. Yeah. Timmy. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. I'm trying to run a show here. <laughs> I'm crashing your party. It's awesome. Yeah, I I've been looking at the pictures on Twitter, Tammy, and I see that there you've a lot of people over and you're I mean, check your house out. You've got like this beautiful deck and this like colonnades and like frescoes and stuff in a hot tub and a lot of space there it's It's huge it's photoshopped (laughs) okay well it looks like a very impressive home you have there well thank you but i i have to jump in on this conversation with the whole dropbox and and uh icloud and i just downloaded ios 10 for one of my devices and just like any time I update, it says, oh, do you want to use iCloud Drive? I'm like, no, no, I do not want to use it. I want to use Dropbox. Stop asking me. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like for what Tim said, you know, that whole having the public folder. And I really need that. 
And with iCloud Drive or, or even, you know, the, the old technology, as they call it, I, I can't do it. Totally can't do it. Yeah, that is a problem. Uh, did you hear what I was saying earlier about... No, because Tim is a, is a, yeah, yeah. a, a microphone um, hog. Hog, yeah, I couldn't. But hear is he a headphone hog? You he's couldn't a headphone hear. Hog. He's yeah, a... okay. she wasn't even in the room when you started talking about this. Yeah, so how come you can hear him? Because I can hear him through the spilling. I know, but I tried to hear him through the end. Uh, I can't hear what he's saying, but yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm guessing based on what you're saying. <laughs> I'm not sure how to operate now. <laughs> anyway, Tammy, listen to the show, and then you tell me if you still want to use Dropbox on your Mac. Um, and my, my advice to you would be use Dropbox fine, but, um, uh, just use it for your public folder maybe and give iCloud uh, drive a try because you can use both, you know, you, you, it's okay that, uh, you, you use both at the same time. I won't lie. Today was the very first time when I did an update and I was like, Oh, maybe I should do it because there's going to come a time where I can't use the old technology and it's going to be like, Oh, you really need to do this. But I said, no, I didn't want to upgrade. And now, now you've got me second guessing myself. Well, third guess and then give it a shot. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. All I did was come in here to grab some keys. So I'm going to go grab the keys and hand over the mic and the headphones to Tim and leave because I've got Photoshop to deal with and making my house look like a mansion because it's totally not. <laughs> okay. Um, best of luck on the show this weekend. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye bye. Aaron's going to be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> he can hear you. I'm, I'm so, so pissed that I think I'm that was, that. I think that was intentional. <laughs> yeah. She don't care. Yeah. Timmy Gordon uh, don't care. She don't care. She don't give a crap. Nope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got jury duty to look forward to on Friday. Oh, that's right. I forgot that's about that. That's why I can't go, right? So uh, I'm terrified. I'm officially terrified. I, I just want you all to know that yeah. uh, should I be selected to attend a jury, then I'm going to be in a whole lot of doggy do. That's so, very strange that we do it on a Friday because I think I'm pretty sure that I had to go on the, at the beginning of the week and, and it was like the commitment was it might be five days, it might be five months, but ended up being like a couple of hours and they said, okay, you can go. See you in three yeah. years. I hope that's what happens. I really do. Well, anyway, uh, inside well, baseball. <laughs> mind you, that's, uh, that's your, you're in uh, Pickering, the, the hive of scum and villainy, aren't you? Uh, yeah, it's Oshawa, actually. Oshawa, yeah. BuddyBuild is a mobile-optimized, continuous integration and delivery platform that takes just minutes to set up. Thousands of mobile development teams love BuddyBuild because it's the fastest way to distribute their apps to users and gather bug reports, feedback, and crash reports. Then, use built-in integrations for bug trackers and tools like Slack to seamlessly integrate that information back into their development process. With a simple screenshot, testers can send their feedback directly to you, along with important diagnostic details. If your app ever crashes, BuddyBuild will record the frequency, affected users, and traces back to the exact lines of source code that caused the crash in the first place. BuddyBuild gives you even better visibility into crashes with Instant Replay, a video recording that shows exactly what your users were doing when the app crashed, giving you the exact steps needed to repro the issue. BuddyBuild gives development teams like yours perfect insight into bugs and empowers you to iterate on your app faster than ever, knowing you're building an app your users love. Join the thousands of developers who have already added BuddyBuild to their development process. Try it free today at BuddyBuild.com.
Anyway, uh, so uh, you missed the taco meeting last night, um, unfortunately. <laughs> you oh God, the evening I, I had instead. <laughs> was yeah, awful. I saw it was wonderful. You went to you went to learn how to make butter. No, and, no, uh, no, no, no. My daughter is performing a play at this oh. uh, Pioneer Village, and so I was simply her ride. But uh, boy, the communication there was terrible, and I got waylaid. I got told off. Uh, it was a terrible, terrible evening where a lot of feelings were hurt, not just mine, um, and. Uh, it was a, just a bad night. I wish I had been at the taco meeting instead. So is that the Pioneer Village up by Steeles and Finch where York no, University it's, is? No, it's in Pickering. Oh, there's another one. Yeah. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. That's, oh, okay. um Oh, yeah, I know the one. But anyway. Yeah, it's a different one. <laughs> so back to taco. Um, yes, taco. Dennis Pilarinos did a demo yesterday of... Um, he was, I mean, the, the group, a lot of users at Taco already use BuddyBuild, so he didn't spend a whole lot of time going into the, the, the meat and potatoes, but he did a sort of a high-level demo uh, with an app, and he walked through, you know, setting up an app by, you know, checking it out of GitHub and then, you know, creating, uh, and then choosing somebody in the audience to build onto their device as a tester. And, you know, it literally took him like 10 minutes to do that as he's talking through the process. And in fact, you know, once it got onto the guy's phone, he couldn't install it because he didn't know the provisioning profile. And he says, "Okay, well, let's just let's just you know request it." And he went back into the configuration. It went to the another email. Went and said, "Hey, you know, click this link." And actually, what happened was it clicked from the phone and went back to the device. And all of a sudden, Buddy Build had the information it needed to go back to the Apple iTunes account and automatically provision this device. So, like you know, nothing up my sleeve kind of amazingness, right? Um, and he went through the whole process with us, and he showed us how you know it integrates the crash reports come back with you know you can integrate them right into your your um, whether it's Trello or Jira or whatever you can take a trash, crash report right back in and create a, a Jira ticket for that particular issue automatically again, which is kind of cool, right? Um, and then I, last time we talked about Buddy Build, Mark asked about that instant replay. Uh, feature and that's something you, you opt into it's not built in to your app so if you don't want to use instant replay what it does it copies it records like the last you know 10 15 seconds of interaction between the user and the device so you can sort of see where uh what they were doing when they were when they ran into this trouble and as well the the report you get back as the crash report is quite detailed in fact it'll actually show you the line in your code where the error occurred kind of like you know a symbolicated crash load crash report would do now but again 99 percent of the the head you know the hair pulling you get from using itunes connect or even uh, xcode development tools to do this kind of stuff is is magically you know taken away by using buddy build so it actually is pretty cool the other thing that he was able to do because they've got a large large number of app developers using buddy build he was actually able to share some statistics with us that we've been kind of wondering about right and some of the surprising ones were um, that of all the apps on the App Store, only 3% use have, include a watch app. Think about that. I don't only think that's, a, that's not a surprising number to me. But it's ridiculously low. No, it's, I think the number of apps in the store is ridiculously high. Okay. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, and then, but tvOS, uh, the other number there um, was 0.3% uh, use have are, are paired up with a with a TV iOS app. So yeah, again, it doesn't surprise me either. But and also, you know, the 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 numbers that we hear out in the, in the industry are that the watch business, the Apple Watch. I, I saw a stat the other day. It was I think it was a hundred million dollar business. Okay, the watch uh, business itself, right? 
But the most surprising one, and we, and we talked about this. Uh, I guess not surprising. It's not really surprising because we did we speculated after WWDC when they told us how many app, apps are on the App Store, and how many apps are now you're using some Swift. Uh, in, I think it was in the in the platform state of the union, and I forget what the number was. But we when we worked it out, it worked out to something like five percent. And then I think Greg was on that show, and he kind of extrapolated that maybe he thought it might have been closer to sixteen percent are you are written in Swift as opposed to Objective C, right? I mean, but the the actual number Dennis said is around eight percent. He didn't he didn't keep that he didn't include that slide in the presentation, but he told us that, which. It's surprising. It's amazing how much uh, the marketing machine or marketing muscle of Apple has put behind Swift and the adoption rate of Swift. We all talk about it all the time, right? But yet, um, a significant number, 92% roughly, or in the 90s, uh, are still written in Objective-C. And again, again, Aaron, I, I see your point coming that it may be that there's that many apps in the App Store uh, that predate Swift, but it's still, uh, it's still uh, a, a slow climb, right? Well, sure, but you know, again, I'm not I'm not worried about that at all. I mean, we hear only about Swift from Apple, right? Which which is fine and fair because Apple is imploring us to use Swift for new projects. You can't ignore the fact that there are one and a half million apps on the store, about, and uh, the vast majority of those, of course, were written in Objective C. But there are going to be fewer now that the great app cleanup of 2016 is underway. So we we have that to look forward to, and those numbers are going to go up. Um, so just just to throw a little bit of numbers behind the percentages, right? When you say three percent include a watch app, um, if if there are in fact one and a half million apps, you're talking about forty five thousand watch apps, which that's true. That's sounds true. like a big number to me, right? <laughs> yeah. Point three percent, of course, would be forty five hundred uh, tvOS apps. That's true. Right. Yeah, Again, yeah. A, a pretty big number and you know, kind of jibes a bit with the depth of that store as I see it. Yeah. And it also could be, it could also point out an opportunity for people, you know, since it's not a saturated market, right? No, not even close. Uh, but you know, again, what kinds of apps are appropriate for that platform is the question. That's true. I, That's I think, true. you know, time's borne out the fact that, uh, it certainly has its place, but not every app belongs there and ditto with the watch. You know, it certainly has its place. Now, <laughs> I could actually go on for a while now about a particular watch app that doesn't exist and that really ought to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to leave that for another time. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay. As for 8% of apps, uh, so a little bit of math on that, 45, 90, about 100,000 apps, right? Uh, yeah. Written in Swift, yeah. you know, and that's... Or some Swift, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, you say that number and you're like, well, you know what? That's a lot of apps. That is a lot of apps, yeah. It's a lot of apps. Hmm. Well, when you consider, what is it, 350... Or, yeah, three hundred fifty thousand app developers out there. Is that the number? Yeah, actually, I don't know what that number is. Yeah, it's. I think it, uh, recently, I, I remember writing it down because we we talk about that one occasionally, and we we never quite get it right. And I remember making note of it um, either in my notebook or or my one of my iOS devices. But um, suffice to say that that um, whatever number you just gave us is is a hundred percent hundred thousand apps is is a high percentage compared to the number of app developers that are out there. Let's say right. Like yeah. that would be a third mm -hmm. of the app developers, if you think of it. Yeah. Is that safe to say? I guess if that's the the actual number. I, I don't. I, I have no memory of what that number actually was. So yeah, I think I'm gonna, Apple. I'm let I think you Apple, say whatever. I you think like. Apple posts it on on the marketing pages for the developer site. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's on hmm. there somewhere. Yeah. So um, on the whole, I would say that uh, these numbers 
don't strike me as terribly surprising, I guess. Um, those adoption numbers with watch app, TVOS apps don't surprise me. Um, you've got React Native here on a line, uh, but no number assigned to it. What is well, that? Well, it's the actual, the, at the top of his slide, I wasn't sure about that, but he was talking about hybrid versus uh, native, right? Oh, hybrid is in web slash native. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I, and uh, I don't know why he, at the top of the slide, he, the, I took a shot of this one and it had, he had React Native there, but I'm not sure. The the number that was surprising that that six percent of apps on the App Store and when you see it on a pie chart it looks quite you know striking uh, that uh, only six percent are are using hybrid technology so he didn't include some of the other ones that um, don't, oh, they don't they don't support okay. right? here's my guess here's my guess that Buddy Build supports React Native as an integration but they not do, yeah 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 but maybe they don't have it like a generic JavaScript implementation which any other hybrid app might use. Yeah, and it was so one of those other. one of those other ones. totally. Uh, like I, I think it's a, the Microsoft one that does. I'm, I'm thinking there's some sort of it uses you know the same sort of HTML JavaScripty kind of. Um, I, I, I can't even remember the name, but he did. He did say specifically he doesn't. They don't support that because they don't. You know? Yeah. So it's this is limited to the to what they can see, right? Not not a true reflection of the market because yeah. i'm certain that there are a ton of hybrid apps out there more than six percent yeah and one thing just to close on on the buddy build piece is that he did say that uh, the mac uh sorry yes mac os um development uh, they don't have a fully supported version yet but they do have a beta version so if people are working on mac os and they want to work with buddy build on their app um and they're willing to deal with all the sort of nonsense you get with beta stuff uh, he's happy to uh, to talk to them and, and give them access to a beta copy for that. All right, cool. Yep. Okay. Um, Which I don't have to stop at anymore now that they've been finished the four hundred seven. Hey, that's something else we should touch on real quick. The maps. The maps. Yeah, uh, I find it frustrating, but this is this is a little bit inside baseball. It's it's local color, but uh, it is sort of emblematic of what's what the heck's going on with Apple and their mapping efforts. They, by all reports, have started to employ real numbers of people in their mapping department, such as it is, and in an effort, of course, to provide the best and most current map data, given that roads and situations change from time to time, um, and to clean up and improve existing data. Well, let's see now. I think it was June 1st? Yeah, it was around there, yeah. That... Um, one of our local highways, a toll road, which uh, is a four-lane highway uh, that, uh, that was about 150 kilometers in length, um, got a brand new extension going through my part of the world and was joined to another major highway by a, a connector highway, the 416. So the 407 goes through Durham. 416 connects the 401 and the 407. These are major highways. These are as big as highways get, okay? and They're like interstates, in other words, yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically. So, big deal and huge implications on modern maps, of course, because any any route that you might take that isn't in town anyway should at least consider whether the 407 is a viable route. And uh, June 1st comes, the highway opens, and, you know, nothing. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm sure it'll just be a few days or something. Google Maps updated in no time at all. Uh, I'm still waiting for Apple Maps. Now, after a few days, I reported this to Apple. They have a reporting mechanism, and I just let them know that, hey, you know, we've got two major highways that have gone in, and it's still not there. I heard nothing back. 
and it's still not there. Um, and then I thought, you know, let's complain on Twitter because that does tend to get things working. I went to Apple That's support true. and told them yep. the same thing, showed them screenshots from Google Maps and in the same sort of magnification and location showed them the same shot in Apple Maps where these highways are missing and they're just farmer fields. Um, and they wrote back and they said, well, you can report here. And I said, I already did that. And then they never responded to me. Which is surprising to me because I, you know, and, and you'll see in my pick, I've been using the, um, the Apple uh, uh, navigation, you know, when you're driving around to, to different right. places. And in fact, um, uh, we used to turn, as we went to our cottage, we used to go along the 407 and then we would turn just north of where Aaron lives. And, you know, I used to just log into to Swarm and say, hey, Aaron, and I would carry on up sort of minor highways. But now that this 407 is open, I can cruise right on past Aaron and, and catch up to our another main highway that we used to go up to our cottage. And as he said, since June, it's actually been free for, it's a toll road, but that section of the road has been free. And I've been using it for months and, and I can see many other people are using it as well. So I'm actually surprised yep. that Apple hasn't uh, at least figured out that why are all these people cutting through these uh, farmers' fields, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I, it's mystifying to me. So I, it just makes me wonder what their op- update process is like. You know, if, if this had been like somewhere in rural New York State, would this be the same issue? Um, is it because we're in Canada and they just literally do not care? I don't know. I just drove through a bunch of back roads on the way way here to Tammy's house and t- this morning. And, and at one point, Siri took me off and these little, like they were like, literally the width of a couple of cows roads that and they were on the maps and I, it happily navigated so it, it's a mystery as to why maybe it's just an up their update process is just so far behind right so yeah well, that's that's a serious indictment if it is well there was that debacle back in in and i've, I've kept the screenshots so maybe i'll put them in the show notes but of the the issue where the in australia they were directing people to a compl- like like leaving them stranded they were taking them to, they were going to some national park or whatever and they would go down this road and they would run out of gas and there's no gas stations for like 150 miles you know um and there was an issue where they were on the google map you could see it was pointing it was going to the right place but on the on the apple map it was com- leaving them in the middle of the outback you know yeah. you remember that story i i don't but i guess i would say that the the thing to keep in mind about that is mistakes are going to happen right it's it's how long it takes them to fix it. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> you true. know, uh, like, you know, Google Maps has errors, too. It's just like, what's their process? And, you know, how responsive are they? And in, in Apple's case, at least, I can say their process and response rate seems to kind of suck. <laughs> like, and this isn't just like a new housing development with some, you know, side roads. This is like a major highway. So I yeah. don't get it. And the yeah. navigation piece, I'm sure it must be, well, especially with, with CarPlay integration, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, last week, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, with that, you would think that they'd want to make a serious effort of having this stuff updated regularly. But there you go. I guess there they don't. There you go. They don't. So, uh, bad apple. It's that was a segue. That was a segue. That, yeah, that was, was it? Yeah. No, it was, I mean, it wasn't a segue. What we call it a sidebar. Sidebar, sorry. Sidebar. That was a sidebar. Yes. That was a sidebar. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so okay. let's let's have the courage and conviction to carry on. <laughs> now that's a segue. <laughs> that's a segue. How you doing? I know how you do. Okay, so um, I found a couple of very cool articles that I enjoyed from some of my favorite bloggers, and uh, this is all in follow up to the Apple event last week, where they 
Apple introduced its new iPhone 7. Uh, we should actually talk about that a bit. But also the AirPods. And I'm just going to point both of these out. Put the link in the show notes. One of them is by Ben Thompson at Stratechery. And the other is by Neil Seibart at Above Avalon. And both of those links will be in the show notes. They both kind of end up in the same place. So I'm going to discuss them as a group. And I think Neil Seibart really tackles it the best. Um, Looking at sort of the iPhone and what it's doing sort of as a market performer and kind of fading a little bit, right? Like we're kind of seeing if... um, if there's a flow of the market as it gains popularity, this is a period where it seems to be ebbing and we're probably not going to find out what Apple's phone sales are like when the iPhone seven launched, but that has been the trend. It seemed to a lot of people, um, you know, and you saw all the news in the press, uh, the response to the iPhone seven yawn, more of the same, same design. Uh, if you have an iPhone six S don't even bother updating. If you have a six, it might be fine anyway. Um, so there doesn't seem to be a lot of excitement about the phone. And some people are looking beyond the phone now and seeing what's next. And Neil Seibart and Ben Thompson see a lot of future and a lot of excitement in the AirPods. And, you know, a lot of people weren't, weren't very impressed with it because I think they were still very much caught up in the idea of losing the headphone jack. What? We're and, losing the headphone jack? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Who's, whose idea was that? It was Apple's. And, um... Why Why are they doing it? Because they really believe in the future of wireless, and they're going to kick our uh, kick us screaming down this path to this wireless future, and they're providing the, the means to do it in the form of these AirPods. Now, why is that? So AirPods are the disconnected thing that you put in your ear and are very unobtrusive. They last a long time. They're easy to connect. They solve a lot of the problems that Bluetooth has has in in terms of connecting and uh, latency etc um airpods solve these problems but it seems to both of these gentlemen that uh, this this airpod as an invention is heralding a new future a new type of wearable device that may even supersede the apple watch in terms of the sorts of interactions that you can have with it and i think it all comes from siri so you know that when you have an, an, an AirPod in your ear, um, if you know this from reading it, of course, because no one has one yet, right. but that if you double tap your AirPod, you activate Siri and the AirPods have a directional mic so it can hear what you're saying quite readily and speak an answer into your ear. All right. Now, everyone kind of takes this for granted. Oh yeah. So that's the feature that Apple did. It's great. Sounds nice. Um, but oh my God, the headphone jack has been taken away from the iPhone. Stop thinking about that for a second and think about what it means to have this kind of AirPod thing in your ear that is always going to be available and is private, really. Like, think of how you interact with Siri today, either via your watch or your phone or your iPad, where you hold a button down and you you talk at your device. Um, And then the device um, speaks back to you over the speaker, right? With the AirPod, at least, the speak back part is just in your ear. It's private, right? The response is private. The question is public. The response is private. And these two guys think that that's going to be a big differentiator. And I can kind of see where they're going with that. And it's not just Siri. I mean, it's it's 
it's the things that Siri is going to become in the future. Because they're not just thinking like the AirPod of October 2016. They're thinking of the AirPod of the next five years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the most important thing being like, what what are these services that Apple is building? Like what we think of as machine learning and um, artificial intelligence. You know, all of that stuff which is in rapid development and the subject of great interest by all kinds of vendors out there, Apple, Google, um, Amazon, you have it. You've got something that's actually um, going to become incredibly powerful. And so if you remember that line from Phil Schiller about courage, which a lot of people got offended by last week, right? I think in a way, and I'm trying to see which one of these two said this, um, right here yes that apple shows courage because um as jaime will tell you they are very weak at services and there are apple is that is um <laughs> there are better vendors for this thing and you know jaime's girlfriend uh, alexa who can understand <laughs> and do so many more things right and apple's just you know objectively not as powerful there and so the courage that apple has is by making a big bet on a new technology, the AirPods, which are going to become more important as the years go on here, based on this services notion, right? So AirPods will become more potent, more powerful, more relevant if and if Siri becomes more powerful, more relevant, more capable, right? right. right? And today, Apple doesn't have that. So Apple's courage in this sense is them making the bet on that, knowing damn well that they don't have the best answer for Siri uh, today. They are running there to give themselves time to iterate and hold off their competitors so that they can improve Siri and make it the the best product it could possibly be. And the AirPods are going to be the channel for doing that. Yeah, I think that's that's quite an interesting interesting take. I think it'll be interesting to see how things turn out because it, it definitely is a, a big bet. And I, I will give them credit for the improvements to Siri on the watch. It's tons faster on the watch. So that's a, that's a good sign, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love how Apple is really iterating hard on Siri to make it uh, an improved service, something that's going to understand you more accurately um, and respond with more relevant stuff. I mean, it still gets so much wrong, you know, like every day I can ask Siri things and, um, and it, it flubs it, misunderstands it, gives me something that's not relevant. But I think the true measure is that it gets enough right where I do find myself going back to Siri and using it for different things. Um, I don't, I haven't given up on it. And I, I think that's probably the biggest, uh, success measure that we can give to Siri today is that, well, you know, it exists. It's not perfect, but is it so imperfect that you've given up on it? No. Oh, yeah, it's 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 so much more reliable than it used to be in the past. I mean, I I don't use it every day, but when I do use it, I'm actually delighted that it does work. Um, you're right. If you try and ask, you try and have a conversation with it, you you'll quickly learn that it's just a dumb machine. But um, you know, setting alarms, you know, making reminders, you know, asking for uh, like if I'm driving and I want to ask it, you know, to look something up for me. Um, it generally does that pretty well. And, 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 you know, 
I haven't really had to back in the day when you had the Newtons and the and I I'm also a Dragon Dictate user uh, of of not lately, but you had to spend you know much time training it to understand or learning how to speak to it and also training it on how to how to interpret what you were saying, right? So it's it, out of the box. It's understanding people, which I think is amazing, right? Exactly, and and you know I I think it all comes down to the the way that it's built. Um, to be like a a mass learning platform, so it's it's learning from all of the queries that hundreds of millions of people are pumping into it daily. It's interesting. Uh, there's a there's a TV show I was watching. I haven't been watching it for in a few years, but it's the same sort of thing where there's a there's a machine learning computer that's been set up, and there's a bunch of mercenaries who run around with these little things in their ears, and they're constantly com- communicating with each other. You know about this sort of you're always being watched kind of thing is the sort of subtext of the show. But uh, the fact that they're they're using this kind of technology to, like you said, or you were saying before, to have these private conversations. You can actually talk to Siri without other people hearing what she's telling you kind of thing, you know, place the red bet, you know. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, the technology is becoming more commonplace. I mean, I'm, I'm in a, a, a place today, you know, and I see it all the time. People on iPhones, people on, you know, tablets, you know, um, there's a person here at the at the at the place I am at today that came with an iPad twelve you know twelve point seven with an Apple pencil and they're using it like you would like they're using a regular device. It's stuff becomes commonplace and I think Apple kind of leads that way in a sense too to do that, right? They have the marketing muscle on the size to uh, to make mainstream things that other companies have tried but have not necessarily succeeded at. True. And and we um, talked about Apple sitting back and sort of letting other people go forth and, and make some baby steps for them to come in and improve on as well. That's something that Apple's been doing for a long time as well. Definitely. So uh, on the whole, I'm very excited about this. Um, I, I cannot wait for my AirPods to arrive. Can't wait to order them for that matter. Hey, yeah, can we have another sidebar? Sure. I was just Sorry, saying, before, you, before you do that, I was just going to say the, Air, the AirPods seems to be the sleeper of that last keynote, right? Like, I or, think it is. I really do think it is. I mean, and certainly uh, these two guys do. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, finally, you know, because I think I've mentioned this on the show several times in the past, that Apple needs to be making wireless earbuds. Well, yeah, we um, did talk about that, yeah. And to my mind, it feels like um, a way to, like, the ultimate way to integrate Apple technology onto your person, right? Because we've already got a watch. It's a thing that's on our wrist. But now we've got the things in our ears, you know? What's next? The thing in our eye, right? So what's going to, um, you know, replace the glasses? You know, I know Google Glass is a huge failure, but, um, you know, how can we have infinite screen everywhere? Um, I'm spitballing here, but uh, to my mind, that would be an amazing technology that uh, is still probably many years away. But contact lens displays come at me. Yeah. You know, and then it doesn't matter like that you're that the only Apple device you have on you is your watch. In ten years, that watch is going to have the com- computational power of a Mac Pro, and uh, <laughs> and I just need a big ass display. Well, it's right there in my contact lens. Yeah, yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Well, we were we were talking to on on um, uh, roundabout a couple of weeks ago. We were talking to Dermot Daly, Dermot Daly who runs Ool Conference, and he was talking about um, how. You know, I think it was him. Uh, imagine, you know, if you will, what we were doing ten years ago, 
with you know internets and the information we had and now imagine what kids are kids have at their avail right now everything we have on the internet everything we have on devices what are they going to be able to do with it you know where we were yeah. all just flailing away on commodores and sinclairs and things like well, that well actually what they do with it is they they play the most preposterous inane games yeah, uh, that you can Pokemons imagine and yeah, yeah yeah they watch youtube videos and let's plays and um they they fritter away their their time on it because to them this technology has always existed and <laughs> it's nothing special to them that's true that's true in a way i feel sorry for the younger generation who didn't see the progression right who weren't there for the the you know evolution or you know sporadic huge leaps in technology so that they can appreciate what they're doing here you know, like we saw the iPhone 7 with the A10 processor, right? Um, seems to rival current desktop Macs in terms of processing power. Like we're seeing all these uh, benchmarks, right? Um, and that is amazing. Like, that's incredible. <laughs> like, I'm going to have a thing that's in my pocket, which is almost certainly more powerful than my, my Pokey MacBook, right? <laughs> like, true, I can't yeah. even, I can't contemplate that. Kids take it utterly for granted. That's true. It's true. Oh, sidebar. Uh, you were going to have a sidebar? Uh, sidebar was on uh, which iPhones? Because we ordered last week, right? Some um, of us, yeah, yeah. Some of us, yeah. Jaime? Mm-hmm. I was uh, okay. definitely ordering, yep. Yeah, so uh, let's just go around and say what we got here, what it, or what we ordered. Tim? Well, I kind of got my days mixed up again. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and I uh, I kind of didn't... Well, I, I was actually kind of busy writing my talk for, for the, tomorrow, but... Um, so I completely missed that Thursday, 3 a.m. was when I was supposed to get up and order. Friday morning at 3 a.m. Yeah, well, yeah thir- well, to me, <laughs> it's thir- to me it's thir- yeah, exactly. But that's yeah. what I mean. I kind of I kind of thought I had another day there because I got all confused about that. Anyway, uh, so I didn't order a personal phone, but I did manage to order a couple of phones for the company. So as I said before, um, I'll have a look at them and then and then I'll be able to make a more educated decision. I, like I said, I was disappointed when I saw the size of the six after having bought the six plus. Um, I, you know, because I really, you know, I, at, at that time I wasn't running in circles where there were lots of phones around. But when I got to like a conference and all of a sudden, you know, like there's a whole bunch of us there with the things I could sort of see them. I was, I would have thought I would have been happier with the six. However, um, the seven camera still to me is, or seven plus camera is still very compelling. And uh, I was talking to somebody at Taco about that last night. And, and uh, it's not, you're, it's not going to replace a, a digital SLR, but it is, you know, for a lot of us, it's our main camera, right? Um, and I shoot a lot of shots and, and uh, I think that's something I'd be interested in. But like I said, I get to play with one before I get to make the decision. So that's, that's a good thing to have. Yeah. What about you, Jaime? I ordered the seven plus in the silver style and 128 gigabyte storage size. So you had no doubt, like that's exactly what you said on last week's show. Mm-hmm. Um, I just listened to that this afternoon, listened to you saying that. Uh, so you are as good as your word. And, oh yeah, it um, was super easy yeah. to, to get through. It wasn't, uh, you know, I've listened to a few other podcasts and folks like had moments of panic deciding and then stock was running out. So they had to choose something that they may not have had the the right choice for had they not been under uh, duress but for me it was i knew way ahead of time what i was gonna get when's it arriving well it arrives when i am in nashville so um i'll be picking it up after the conference 
Okay, but you'll have someone there to receive it at home on Friday. So Friday is when you're getting it. I actually went with the in-store pickup uh, just because oh, I wasn't 100% okay. sure if uh, okay. there'd be somebody there for the signature delivery confirmation. Yeah, that's playing it safe. Mm-hmm. And you, man- you managed to order it, sorry, and you managed to order it directly off the app like at 3 a.m. or whatever? Yeah, I guess it's safe to say now because people will almost certainly forget a year from now. Um, therefore, leaving more stock available for me, uh, he says selfishly. Um, yeah, yeah, using using the Apple Store app and having your credit card set up, having um, Apple Pay if you have it uh, set up is like by far the way to go because it, it opens up exactly on time and it's by far the most um, reliable and seamless way to order. Yeah, I think that was uh, part of my problem. Um, I, I did, leading up to order time, um, have a lot of second thoughts about which phone I was going to get. But uh, by the time I set my alarm and woke up at 3 in the morning, I was decided on the 7 Plus 128 in jet black. So that's the phone I ended up ordering. Um, unfortunately, uh, either due to the massive uh, popularity of that particular model, um, or the fact that my credit card, although I had made sure it was set up properly um, earlier that day uh, still asked me to enter my security number again uh, in the ordering process so my phone was delayed by a couple weeks uh, so it'll ship either you know in one or two weeks now and i'll have it either on the 27th or the 4th or somewhere in between there so that was that was again ordered at three o'clock in the morning yeah yeah but uh, like i said there was this uh little delay while it was asking me for credit card details and of course um, i cannot use apple pay as you know uh, or as past listeners the show know um, because none of the stuff i use is supporting it um so yeah i'm looking at a couple weeks delay but you know everything i've seen uh since since then uh suggests that it is far from just me Um, most people who ordered a black seven or jet black seven plus um are waiting we're not getting it on the 16th yeah, I, I thought I heard something about the seven was or seven plus jet black was was going to be delayed anyway. Wasn't that the case? I didn't, I'm not sure. I didn't think it was shipping right away. Why, why do I think that? No, no. I think you might be confusing a, a couple of things. One, how quickly that stock uh, ended up selling out and getting back ordered, and the fact that people are talking about the fact that the Boca feature is not going to be there on day one. It's going to be an update. Um, Sometime oh, after the Boca feature. Right. Okay, right. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. That's, that, that's what it was. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm a little disappointed, but I'm okay. Um, I'll be fine. And frankly, jury duty on Friday, so I'm not going to get it anyway. So <laughs> um, it's just, well, but it is definitely notable that the, um, the iPhone 7 Plus in jet black appears to be um, very much in demand. I was actually just wanted to go there now and... Uh, see how bad it is. Well, while you do that, safe to say, Mark got the he ordered as well, and I believe November. he got he got the uh, seven, the regular seven. He didn't go the regular go. seven, just like he said too. Yeah. So why did so so you have a six now, right? Like a yeah, that's reg, right, a regular six, a plain old yeah. ordinary crummy six. And so why did you why again the camera was it the, the, the camera main thing? the camera the camera the camera oh, also the camera. What about the camera? Uh well, that was kind of a factor. Okay. Yeah, uh, definitely a huge deal. And I just, uh, I remember when the 6 came out and the 6 Plus had optical image stabilization. So that that was kind of a big deal. And I could kind of sense the way the winds were blowing, but I really felt like the smaller phone was more, more for me. Um, but this time, the, the differences are much too stark. Um, 
so I've, I've got I've got to go with it, and <laughs> I'm just gonna see how it fly, how it plays. If I hate it, if I hate it and hate it and hate it, then I will do something about that, and I'll sell it and get another one. You know, because I, I bought it outright. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a crippling, you know, life-altering decision. Oh, yeah, that's that's right, too. Um, I contacted uh, Rogers and asked them um, what it would cost me to, to get the phone. Because we talked about it. I think it was over $1,000 for the regular phone, like the 6 or 7, I should say, the regular 7. I can tell you now because I'm looking at it. Um, by the way, the 7 Plus in Jet Black is november shipping. yeah yeah so in canadian dollars you're asking so a jet black 128 uh, iphone 7 just the regular is a thousand and twenty nine dollars yeah so so rogers would do that for me for around five and a half okay so which is you know when you think about it a little bit more palpable <laughs> there's that word palatable again. thank palatable. you yes palatable uh, and palpable was last week's word yes okay palatable is this week's word it's tasty it's it, it, sits right yeah. on my tongue is what you're saying well it's a subsidy right that's what they're saying is yeah they'll you, I, you pay 500 and something you know and then what? you pay the rest off because i don't believe for a minute if i'm not going to change my 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 plan with rogers i don't i don't believe for a minute that they're going to give me a discount on a a phone if uh that's tammy's new dog by the way um if you can hear him can you hear him yeah go ahead <laughs> anyway don't care you don't care uh yeah i was just going to say that it's it's to me it's a much more reasonable price to pay for for a phone and i don't believe that they're going to discount me anything and let me maybe twenty dollars a month or a month off my bill it's, you know for that you know what I'd, I'd rather get the subsidy and well, then, that's the subsidy system right like you pay over time that's what it's all about and and the other one the other uh the seven plus would have been 675 i want to say i don't have my notes with me but that's yeah. that's what i remember yeah, that sounds about right. But you know, do you remember the good old days when a when a phone was you paid two hundred dollars, or or not, or or pretty much not much? I, I you know, I think the first yeah, the first iPhones were. I think iPhone was the first time we really started paying for phones because I can't remember back in the BlackBerry days ever having to pay for a phone other than paying for it on the plan, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Yeah, no, there was usually yeah, I do. I, I never had a BlackBerry. Um, my my first phone that wasn't a feature phone. Um. But even then, I remember having a couple feature phones before uh, getting my first Sidekick, uh, which was which is the thing I got instead of the BlackBerry. I was paying a little up front, and then and then uh, a subsidy that was on my bill. And they the carriers did a lot more to cover that up back what, in the day. What kind of device was a Sidekick? A sidekick. Um, it's like it's, a it's like a pre precursor phone? to a smartphone. Um, oh, okay. It it kind of looks looked like an iPhone, um, except the. The, the screen kick it open i'll give you a link in the show oh it's no yeah i do remember now yeah they had a keyboard on the side or something like that no the the screen flipped open and there was a oh, keyboard okay. underneath okay okay yeah i vaguely um, remember that yeah I'll, I'll i'll put a little uh link in the show notes that you can look at okay um it was it was the it was made by a company called danger and they were in <laughs> and they ended up being bought the by microsoft danger sidekick yeah, mm-hmm. no, it was pretty cool. I love that thing. I thought it was amazing. It, it was a Java operating system. Um, maybe you could put that in the show notes since we're talking about it. But uh, sure. it was a wonderful little device. Um, and it was the first thing that, you know, you were online all the time. It was on edge networking. <laughs> Remember that? Edge? It predates 3G. And um, although later on they offered 3G models. Um, but it had email, you know, so you had your email and it had web access and it was like kind of like real access to the web 
Oh, not um, that, not that WAP stuff or whatever it was. No WAP. Yeah, WAP. None, none of that. Um, and it was it was like for reals. It was a real smartphone. So like the jump between this and the iPhone was not as extreme as it was for other people that didn't have one of these. Put it that way. Right. Right. I really liked it. Okay. So that was that. Okay. Sorry. Let's close the sidebar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That was a good sound effect. Uh, officialize <laughs> that. Um, okay. I want to talk about one more thing here. Um, then I may can have a turn. <laughs> uh, ceramic. Now, one of the things that Apple introduced at last week's event was a new a replacement for the edition watch. Yeah, the white uh, iPhone. Which, which yeah, watch, white, sorry, white watch. watch. Yeah, yeah, white yeah. watch. A, a white ceramic watch, and it's made with zirconia ceramic. Okay, and this is a type of ceramic that uh, that uses a, a zirconia powder. And there's an article on Quora. Quora is the question and answer site that uh, is sometimes. Uh, answered by some very informative people and such is the case with this one a fellow named brian romel uh who is a self-titled alchemist and metaphysician (laughs) has uh has written an answer to a question about what will the iphone 8 be made of and that is of course referring to what will putatively be next year's iphone and his his response is I think it's going to be made of zirconian ceramic, uh, just like the new Apple Watch Edition is. Um, and he goes into uh, huge detail, <laughs> say huge detail, about the benefits of ceramic construction, what Apple has done uh, to create their own brand of ceramic, such as it is, um, how it's treated, how it's made, um, and what you know what it looks like and and how it behaves and the the sort of benefits of it and uh, sort of five points there it's super strong it's stronger than steel it's radio transparent unlike the metal cases of today's iphones um it's hugely heat it it displaces heat uh so it's very good just like metal does Uh, but it's also incredibly scratch resistant um, and it's super easy to, to assemble. So it's it's easy to work with from a manufacturing standpoint. Um, probably cheaper than uh, the metals they use, the aluminums, for example. So uh, it's sort of ironic, I guess, a little bit that Apple is uh, charging way more for a white ceramic watch, um, which, you know, the materials are actually less expensive, it seems. So this was a very fascinating article. And if you're interested in considerations about what the next iPhone is made of, um, take a look at this article and get a sense of um, what what ceramic is all about. Um, and I tell you, I'd really love to see one of these watches in person. Um, yeah, I'd like, you know, to them, I'd like to see them uh, made because uh, I saw a shot of, it looks like they're, are they using like the CNC process to drill them out of uh, like a block of ceramic that they make or something like that? Because No, it's like a, it's an injection molding process. Okay, because I was going to say, because being, being an artist, you know, um, working with ceramic is an additive process where you build up uh, material yeah. as opposed to you know carving where you carve away like the CNC processes carving a, a Mac or a watch or a no, iPhone no, case it's not out like of that. yeah so so this no. is their this is their their they have a mold of some type and they're they're yeah it's like po- making porcelain if you will that's the same sort of thing you usually make or a, plastics yeah you make a you make right? a, a form and then you inject it exactly yeah yeah, yeah. and so and, there's two okay. Well, I was going to say, it was, and ceramics has been around since since the cave days you know as far as the material right. for building goes yeah. Yeah. And so there this this fellow who wrote Brian Romel, he's um 
he's looked at particular patents that Apple has filed uh, for manufacturing processes around this kind of ceramic. Uh, so he's he's got quite a bit of insight into uh, how they're doing it. And so he's they're, they're using two techniques, ceramic injection molding and ceramic gel casting. Um, so casting and, and injection molding as, mm. as ways of manufacturing these parts. Right. And must, must uh, yeah, so no, no milling. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. So anyway, it's kind of a big deal. And I think it's going to be... Um, like you remember back in the day we had, um, plastic, everything that Apple made was plastic. Yeah. Right? Like the three, the, the iPhone three uh, G, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Go, go even back further, right? Like all the Macs that, Oh yeah. The Mac cases. books. Right. Yeah. 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 Everything, everything. <laughs> um, and then finally with the titanium PowerBook G4, I think that's the first time they used metal. Yeah. Bit, to, bits of metal and plastic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the then book, titanium yeah. was their titanium was their building material and then it became aluminum because titanium had a whole bunch of problems right it, it just did not age well um but aluminum uh sort of became that glowing pinnacle of apple building material and it has stayed that way for what 15 years it's crazy it's been a long time oh yeah um yeah not quite 15 years but a very long time and so it's it's finally possible to see that they might be switching away from that. It might not be aluminum anymore. Ceramic might be the next big Apple material. Mm-hmm. And they appear mm-hmm. to be building up a ton of expertise around it. So anyway, read this article. It's fascinating. Um, I hope I hope you enjoy it. All right. Do you want to do you want to talk about UI feedback generator? Yeah, just briefly because. Um... You know, Phil Schiller kind of talked about this sort of thing super briefly. And in fact, he did it so quickly that it confused the heck out of me, right? So last week I was erroneously saying like, hey, didn't he say something about like, you know, this home button would be customizable in some way? I got really confused because he didn't really talk about it. No, no, actually what he meant was, um, oh, the Taptic engine that we use underneath the covers to power this, uh, this new home button that's not actually a button is also something that separately and altogether unrelated to the home button is going to be customizable by developers. And right. what I have here for the show notes is um, something that Paul Hudson has put together for uh, hackingwithswift.com that shows an example of using this new API in iOS 10, the uh, UI feedback generator uh, classes. There's, there's three of them for the subclasses, the notification feedback generator, impact feedback, and uh, selection feedback. And uh, they make use of the Taptic Engine, so it's only going to be there for the uh, 7 and 7+. Plus. Uh, apparently, and since I don't have one, as I mentioned, uh, I can't actually try this out myself, but it looks pretty interesting that you can have the notification feedback lets you do uh, three system events, right? Error, success, warning. The um, impact feedback generator gives you the ability to have uh, light, medium, and heavy effects that are, you know, use your best judgment as to how you're going to use these uh, and, and how this feels in your app. And one that people have been talking about uh, on Twitter is the selection feedback, uh, like the picker wheel that people are saying, oh yeah, it kind of like helps reinforce the fact that you are moving um, what would be a physical thing, right? Even though we've gone away from a, a, a purely skeuomorphic world, it's still kind of nice to get that like tactile feel. So I'd say, yeah, take a look at this article. It's pretty easy code to look at. It's one of those things I want to try as soon as I can uh, crack open my uh, my phone and, and see what it does. Um, I think it's quite neat to see this sort of thing because uh as somebody who wears the apple watch every day i can tell by the vibrations that occur like oh what sort of thing am i getting am i getting an email is somebody calling me am i using the uh, maps generation uh, sorry maps directions 
And so I'd say this thing could hypothetically be pretty cool if developers use it correctly. And uh, I think wisely and sparingly, right? Don't, don't keep buzzing the thing for, for giggles and grins. One thing I'm curious about here is, shouldn't there be some kind of check to see if it's available before you're running this code? Like if uh, iPhone 7 or something? So apparently, uh, according to this article, the other devices just silently ignore the uh, haptic requests. So you, you don't have to worry about it, like, crashing on you, right? And so it's like, oh, you know, everybody but the 7 and 7 Plus blow up. I think they uh, implemented it in such a way that uh, I, I guess there doesn't even have to be a guard. You don't even have to check for availability. Just call it, and it probably just no-ops if you don't have a device that has the capability. Really, and you were saying that you were saying that you can tell by the vibration what kind of a message you've got coming to you. Sure, like uh, there there are some that are a little confusing to tell. Um, I'm struggling to think of one off the top of my. Well, have head. you have you like so so today I was driving in a car and I was using my phone to navigate because I'm obviously in a strange state, right? Um, state in terms of the country I'm in, not state in terms of my frame of mind. Yeah, yeah we got that. But anyway. <laughs> But, uh, and, and of course, you know, the watch gives you feedback as you're driving. And it kind of taps your wrist when it's about to tell you something. Is there a difference in a left turn and a right turn, for instance? Yes, there's a, a at the very least, a difference in the um, almost like a Morse code kind of thing that it's doing. Uh, right. And I don't even actually remember which one's which because I just kind of incorporated the feel into my, my brain, right? It's like... Uh, like a really fast one for right turns, I think. Like a really fast da, 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 repeating. Yeah. And then it's more of a da, 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 for left. And I might have that reversed. I, I just go off of the, the feel. Hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's something interesting to try. Just a quick hit. Again, Phil Schiller made me terribly confused. And I apologize for confusing everybody else. So hopefully this sheds some light on the subject. Right on. Okay. I think we're into the pick time. Yeah, so let's uh, let's do the picks, Aaron. Uh, you got a pick? I do. I might have two. Oh, I know it's what? terrible. What? Uh, wait, I know. wait. I... Dogs are sleeping with cats now. What? What? Well, that happens all the time here. <laughs> um, I'm going to make it one pick, but it's going to be part of a slightly broader discussion. Um, and if um, I, I apologize to our listeners who don't care for me talking, because I seem to have done quite a bit this evening. However, I'm going to continue. <laughs> so. My pick of the week is an app called Reveal, which I believe we've spoken about in the past on this show. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a tool for developers that... No? Yeah, I don't think... We've talked about it. Of course we have, because we've talked about visual debuggers before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure we must have. But um, So Reveal is a, a UI debugger, essentially. So you run an app, an iOS app, <laughs> obviously, and then Reveal can show you the entire view hierarchy, and it breaks it out into a gorgeous 3D rendering so that you can uh, zoom and pan and uh, spin the thing around and look at it from all angles and see every view uh, that makes up the layers of your app and identify them. Um, and it's a, a huge assistance in terms of debugging your layouts in an app. And so uh, I've been using Reveal for years, um, now just yesterday or the day before, uh, they came out with version two long awaited and it has a number of terrific improvements, uh, not least of which is an improved layout, uh, easier integration, um, more intuitive, I think. 
as well as uh, one thing that I've been dying for them to implement uh, since day one, which is searching the view hierarchy um, using either the name of a layer or a view, uh, or more importantly, a memory address. And uh, super important because imagine you're trying to debug a constraint issue. Right, you see uh, constraint warnings, you know, pop up in the console. You guys know about all this, I'm yep, sure. Yep. Uh, there's a there's a constraint conflict, and it shows you a bunch of views that are or constraints rather constraint objects that are in conflict, and it only gives you memory addresses unless you've gone to the trouble to name those constraints, which few people do. Um, so now you can take that memory address and you can go into reveal and pop it in. It'll show you exactly what constraint it's talking about. Um, that is going to take years off my life and I cannot wait to get started with that. Um, so that's the one big headline feature for me. Uh, it's just going to make, uh, make it so much easier for me to work with. Uh, so any, any developer, any iOS developer, rather, uh, if you're on the Mac, you're kind of screwed to hell with you. Uh, that's basically what everybody believes. <laughs> Can't count the number of times I've, I've wished for reveal, uh, or even Xcode's built-in view debugger, which, uh, is sort of a takeoff on what reveal does, but doesn't, isn't nearly as good. Um, I wish that they had that for the Mac, but alas. Um, now the larger point I kind of wanted to make while I was bringing this up, and this is why I'm sort of a two-part pick this week is the discussion that I had with my coworkers today on the Slack uh, when we were talking about Reveal. A couple of us were you know, speaking rather enthusiastically about it, and then another of the developers, none of these guys are going to be named, so apologies, but <laughs> um, this other developer was like, you know, it costs 49 or $59. I think it's 59 US. And uh, he expressed some astonishment that, that we would spend money on a, a development tool when there are many free alternatives. Um, and this definitely came up in the context of the other thing I want to show, show here, which is also new this week, Git Tower, a, uh, a new version of the beautiful Mac uh, Git GUI app. And it is brand new. I don't use it myself uh, because I'm a big command line guy, always have been. But uh, other, other members of my team speak very highly of it. So uh, this developer was saying, you know, why, why pay for apps that you can find great free alternatives to? And my response is basically like, look, it's, it's way better to spend money, and we make plenty, thank you very much, on, on these apps that are beautiful and functional and, and get the job done much more efficiently uh, than if you hadn't had these apps, you know, like you may be a great developer, but, um, this is going to give you superpowers if you use it, right. If you sure. adopt this tool yeah, right? and, pay, like, and paying I, for apps helps them make them better and make more of them. Yeah. Well, I, I think you can even take that off the table. Never mind that because let's, let's pretend we're totally selfish. Okay. Let's just pretend we're totally selfish. And of course I agree with you, Tim. Absolutely. But a good app made by developers for developers gives you superpowers that you didn't have before reveal app gives me superpowers it makes me a better developer because it gives me a capabilities that i never had before right right, right. yep um and you take any app that you would spend money on and i think of other things like paw uh which i've spoken about on the past on the show um and charles, reveal charles, uh, charles proxy exactly i spent good money on that a couple weeks ago um dash the documentation viewer all of these tools um, are beautiful, beautiful, functional, and powerful development tools made for Mac developers, iOS developers. And 
they they make me more efficient and they take hours out of my day which uh you know and the the money that they ask for them is a pittance compared to what they what they give me uh so we are incredibly fortunate and i could not be more delighted to spend money on these tools because they really do make them back in no time flat so that's the point i wanted to make and that's my pick of the week reveal in particular but if you're a git user uh take a look at git tower which had our big update this week Cool. So I want to ask you as a follow-up question to that, especially since you said you can't use a reveal on a Mac, I believe, or Mac OS. Uh, you can't target a Mac. Okay. App so it. have you worked? Have you used recursive de- recursive description before? Yes. And that doesn't work for you. You can't get a memory well, address from that, or? Uh, yes, actually, if you do recursive description uh, in uh, your console, right? That's what you're yeah, talking exactly. about. You, yeah, you can you, you can see the view hierarchy. Uh, right. And, yeah, and its its output is text. Right. And exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. Yep. Um, but that's like, you know, <laughs> in a real view, like a view where, you know, like the kind of stuff that I'm working with, um, I could put that into a page, um, a word processor document, and it would be like 40 pages of text, you know, so it's very difficult to work with. Whereas uh, a view debugger like reveal, um, it's all graphical. And so it's uh, much more readily able to be dealt with. Right. I think that that memory address one would save a lot of time because I I do try to do um, named constraints where I can because it will tell me, oh, a constraint Joe Bob got broken to satisfy this thing. Oh, thank you. I'm going to go take a look at Joe Bob. But it's sometimes not always practical to to have um, those name constraints. But if I can say, look, okay, memory address hex value goes here is is the problem. And I could just shove it right into reveal. That easily pays um, many times over uh, the. Exactly. What? 119 for uh, assuming a commercial license that's assigned to a company. Like I, I'm pretty sure I could convince a manager to to expense. Oh, yeah, that. no problem. Yeah, certainly. So yeah, I, I haven't used reveal. I, I think I had it uh, probably in a demo version about two years ago, I guess. So because uh, because one thing I do find the visual debugger, I use it to sort of see how things are layering. Like if I'm if somebody's you know making calling something too many times or something like that, or or, or a layers behind another one. But one thing I find frustrating, like you said, is is it doesn't give you enough information about the actual object that you're looking at on the screen. Like you can't say, well, what is what is making that green box, for instance, you know. Um, and I, as I recall, Reveal used to be able to give you more information on, on that, as you said, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it gives you everything that it can, uh, like every property of UI view, essentially, uh, is available to you. And so if it's even if it's got layers, if it has layers, that information's there. Um, accessibility information, like I was just going through and doing a pass on our app for accessibility, um, and localization in the last couple of days and reveal was enormously helpful there because you can, you can, uh, select any object and it'll tell you what the, um, localization or sorry, the accessibility information is. Well, that's, um, that's a good, great, great suggestion there because the accessibility viewer on, um, simulators is horrendous. We have to use it's it all the time because you can imagine we, we we're in banking and we have visually impaired users all the time. Right. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that that sounds like something I should introduce to our team because because uh, that's a good point because we do spend a lot of time uh, on checking out accessibility bugs and defects, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's it's a huge help. Like I I've been doing that too, Tim, uh, and and trying the simulators accessibility. Yeah, we we it's loaded onto a device because unbelievably yeah, bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So get reveal instead. All right, we'll have to take another look at that. Thanks for that. Okay, uh, Jaime, do you have a pick? 
I do. Or just two or three or four. Or... Just a couple of uh, quick hits here. Um, one is called tree. It's a directory listing command. It's available for all sorts of wonderful operating systems. But if you're listening to this one, you're probably interested in uh, Mac OS, uh, which it does support. Um, I've got the link here for the show notes that shows the uh, Linux homepage for, you know, sort of how this is done. It's open source. You can contribute to all sorts of things. But Tree is a nice little tool that will show you the directory listing um, in a tree format, right? So, um, you know, I might list something with using like LS and a couple other things as I'm like spelunking through my file system looking for you know, what's going on here? Where did I put this? Where did the code put this? Oh my God. You know, that sort of thing. And and this is like super helpful to do that. Um, it's quite um, verbose out of the box. Oh so my I, goodness. I, I Are you kind, kidding me? I kind of uh, recommend that you... That recursive you, F-grep, yeah. Yeah, I, I, <gasps> I would say Whoops. that you should uh, read the man pages and go find a couple of switches that work for you and then write some aliases in your, your bash profile to... or shell to, to handle that um but it's great if i'm like oh uh, man I, I know this this code should be creating the right structure i'm having trouble writing a test for this oh okay I, I see what happened here i was you know misunderstanding what was happening here it'll save you tons of time wow never heard of this one neither did i i, I don't actually know how i ended up in my notes probably spelunking through uh, like reddit or something yeah. If you're on uh, the Mac and you have Homebrew installed, you can do a brew install tree and it'll give it to you. That would be my recommendation. It's way easier than doing it from source or like um, some kind of filthy animal. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Wow. Like I, I just, uh, I went to tree on my home directory and, uh, it spit out the entire world <laughs> and I just had to break it because, uh, it was never going to stop. <laughs> yeah i mean you can Holy set cow. filters for like minimum file size you can have it show you file sizes and and different um and directory sizes in different uh formats to make it easier for you to look uh, look at so nice. check it out cool what else you got the other one is is uh, an app it's not ah, really yes. uh brand new per se but it's been out for uh, you know a few weeks uh, this is Google Duo. This is, as they mentioned at uh, Google I.O. this uh, past summer. It's sort of like their cross-platform answer to FaceTime. So if you imagine FaceTime on iOS, this is perfect uh, as an analogy for that. Uh, and you might wonder, well, what the heck? Why, why do I even care about this? Like, Well, uh, if you're like me and you have folks who are not in the Apple ecosystem for whatever reason. Then you got to cut them loose. <laughs> It's Sorry, true. was that the wrong answer? <laughs> <laughs> Android people Those green are people bubbles. too, right? Uh, <laughs> um, uh. But in any case, this is uh, hopefully one way that um, you can sort of seamlessly bridge the gap and have similar functionality. Like, not everybody has Skype, and not everybody has you know a couple other apps. And uh, I'm hoping, 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 hoping that um, many Android folks end up using Duo because that will make it a whole lot easier to uh, communicate with them. What do they use now? Tin can and a string or what? There's like Google Hangouts. There's a oh, couple other apps. On, on their iOS um, devices or, or sorry, on uh, their Android devices? On their Android devices. Yeah. So like just think about how nice and seamless it is that, you know, if you know the other person has an iOS device, FaceTime will just work. Um, iMessages will just work. Uh, Google's answer 
of the many times they've had answers for this are uh, Duo, which I've listed here, and Allo, which is not out yet. And that's sort of like the iMessage equivalent that uh, I'll be checking out at some point. Because I ended up... Oh, I was going to say, I, I ended up having a, like a rather sad situation with somebody where like, you know, a friend of mine, um, they uh, had to move back to India and we were like, okay, how are we going to communicate with this thing? Like, well, um, can't really use FaceTime because you're an Android user. Okay. Uh, do you have this? No, this isn't available. Mine could, okay. Do you have that? And I was like, okay. It, Google's products will almost certainly be in, in most places. So I'm, I'm hoping this sets up bridging the gap. So my daughter approached me last week, as she does when she wants to install a new app. And um, she's 12, and so I'll hasten to point that out. Uh, among her friends, some of whom are Android users, but mo majority of them are iPhone users, they have this new app that they want to use and that they currently are using uh, to video chat in groups, uh, a la Google Hangouts, okay? Uh, notably, um, Duo given his name, is is just between two people, right? Mm -hmm. But this app called Uvu, O-O-V-O-O, -O -O, is a group video chat application. Of course, you can chat with just one person, but it also allows a group of up to 12 people to get together and have a video chat. And my daughter has this installed, and her and her friends are using it to have group chats of four, five people at a time. Um, and it seems to work very, very well. Um, also, uh, is it's everywhere. It's on everything. Uh, so it's um, Mac, iOS, Android, Windows, <laughs> believe it or not. So uh, that seems to be a good solution, too, if you, if you want to try something different that has, like, multiple, lots of people support. Yeah, the, the challenge with these things is always, like, what's the the user base like and how much does that overlap with the people you're actually contacting um yes of and, course and, and it's it's crazy that in 2016 this is even a question it's like oh i can't call you because my phone network doesn't work with your phone network right it's like the equivalent thing like oh sorry i can't call your phone number because you use a completely different technology so um hopefully some of this will, will shake itself out but yep uh, I've, I've heard the name uvu um uh, and looking at here in, in the app store, uh, it looks pretty interesting. So, yeah, I think give these a try. I had never heard of it. What it's worth. Cool. Tim, what do you got? Yeah, just took one second here. What way is he going to go, Tim? <laughs> funny, funny guy. Um, yeah, so, um, again, I was approached by a, uh, I think he's going to be 14 soon uh, a nephew of mine um they were they've been they've moved uh, to ontario from calgary and they've been talking about this they've been up at the cottage and somebody up there introduced them to an app called Waze, w-a-z-e or w-a-z-e for those of you south of the border um and what it is is a, a shared or a sort of a, a crowd i don't know what you crowd not funded but crowdsourced um, navigation uh, app basically that replaces the navigation of um, the your Siri. I, I don't know what we call it, maps na navigation, GPS navigation. What do they call that thing? In it has a name. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Apple Maps. No, you know when you when you're driving from one, you want directions, and it does the 
the like tr- turn by turn, that's what they call it, turn by turn navigation right. that we have in iOS. It replaces that um, with a slightly different kind of thing. And what it, instead of just giving you the best route from, from A to B, you know, it actually gives you the best route from A to B based on actual real time feedback from other users of the app. So, you know, you sign in, you, you can either use it anonymously or you can sign in and it shows you what's going on. So today I was driving from uh, Nashville to Tammy's place, which is, you know, between, it's far away from Nashville, a couple of hours. Um, and on the, it's a very small interstate, it's like a couple, a couple of lanes on going each way, divided highway kind of thing. And all of a sudden we, we ground to a halt. So I thought, okay, well here, let me open up Waze. And I sent it, I tweeted out a screenshot if you want to look at my Twitter account. Um, and it shows you where the accident is. So it shows a couple of cartoon bumped cars that are bumped together. It shows you like a red line where everybody's slowed down to either rubberneck or merge in or avoid the thing. And, uh, and, so it shows you that as well. It also shows you other things like it shows you where the police are along the the route as you're driving, um, and it's all based on on other users' feedback. It also does things like reporting on the cheapest gas prices at a particular gas station, if you will. Right. So, so what it uh, what it can do though in real time is it can suggest the best route from one place to another, as opposed to the optimal route from one place to the other. So, based on the actual real time con- conditions when you're driving, and it's, I guess it's kind of a fun looking app. So, and and I believe Waze was bought by um, Google. I just was googling about it earlier <laughs> today, and it's now called Google Waze. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't know if you guys had heard of that app before, or Tim, it's like the oldest app ever. <laughs> it's been around since two thousand six. Okay, it's one of the ones you can easily forget about because it's since <laughs> um, Google bought it, it hasn't been quite in the limelight. Like okay, you know, some some uh, feature updates come out here and there, and I think they've. Uh, gotten better about rededicating themselves to to really enhancing that product. Had you guys Google seen it bought before? Them in, yeah. Oh yeah, God knows. Mm-hmm. Like I said, ancient, yeah. ancient history. Yeah. Um, 2013, Google bought them for 1.1 billion dollars. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, it, it, and before that, it was a very well known app and used by many people on Android in particular. As yeah, I, I think I, I vaguely remember hearing um, that kind of thing, and I, I thought kind of thought that's sort of how Google Maps works because it, it uses the shared uh, information from drivers using Google, right? I guess yeah. mm-hmm. maybe that's because they bought the Waze technology. I don't know. I think that may be exactly how. Interesting. So, yeah, very uh, very well known app and uh, used by many many people. Well, to a 14-year-old, it's a new app. Good. Well, that's great that people are discovering new things. Or old things. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for the week. Our work here is done, Tim. Yes, it is. So, Aaron, if people wanted to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? Go to the Twitters, and at Aaron Vay is my address. And Jaime, if they want to find you on the interwebs? Also on Twitter as at DevWithTheHair. All right, and my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter. And that's about it, and we'll see you guys next week. All right, later. Bye. Bye. You've just experienced the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. 
You can also follow the show on Twitter at MTJC underscore podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. Are you a BB Edit fan? Uh, I have it, but I I do prefer TextMate. So are you? A, well, you're a fan of the developer. Forgotten his name now. Barebones, Rich Siegel. Rich Siegel. He's on the latest issue of Release Notes. It was a very good interview. Okay. You should go listen. And it's going to be a two-parter. So he was he was in there talking because because remember he had that. They asked him about the announcement of leaving the Apple Store, and yeah. they asked him about why what he's doing with TextMate versus BB Edit, you know, and how he's they asked changing. Him about TextMate. Well, he writes that, doesn't he? Is that no. his app? No. TextMate is a different text editor. Right. I mean, you're right. thinking of Text Wrangler, his free version. Text Wrangler, of right. Yeah, sorry, Text Wrangler. Yeah, 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 yeah. Text Wrangler, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he says a lot of people get Text Wrangler, but, and they, you know, he's got to find some way to convert them to, uh, to BB Edit. Edit so. Yeah, and he did just change his strategy on that, too. Yeah, so Text so. Wrangler, I think, is dead. And now there's a sort of free light version of BB Edit? Well, there always, was a, there always was a trial version of Because I. I was using the, the BB Edit Lite forever. And then, then one, one day I realized, you know what? I've made tens of thousands of dollars making websites using BB Edit. I better buy this, you know, and, and legitimize myself, right? Yeah, no, Text, so. text Wrangler still exists. Okay. Uh, just but he, you're right, he is changing it. I, I suggest you go listen to the show. It's a, it's a good, uh, if you're into that, into that, uh, that dude. Hmm. What I'm really surprised with is that he doesn't have an iOS text editor you know they, they like, did ask him about that too yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. oh do they still they still sell yojimbo <laughs> yeah i know that was as I, I, I noted that when i did link it in the show notes but because I, I know you said that you didn't think it was still around yeah, i don't know if it's that. really well supported as you said right no it's uh it hasn't been updated in a long time yeah so but yeah it's still there go figure mm-hmm. I often yeah. wondered what it was, and I didn't even know until you said that. Because, like, like I said, I've been on the BB Edit site forever, you know, because I even have stickers from like an old ancient Macworld somewhere, right? Anywho. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is your hair still like that? Is that what your hair is like now? Yeah. I mean, there's a um, lot going on straight up. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly the same. I mean, it it it, it does what it, it does it does what it wants. Uh, so it, it it's in the same vein for sure. And uh, yeah, I explicitly did not get a haircut this past weekend because I said, hmm, you know, the fans want to see the dev of the hair, and uh, <laughs> I just have to suffer for it. And and I said, all right, yep. I'll, I'll do this. They they got to see the full meal deal. Fantastic! Wow! You go. Wow! Mm-hmm. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.